Check out Unpacking Israeli History podcast. From the history of infamous terror groups, Hamas and Hezbollah, to the story of Nakba, to Israel's disengagement from Gaza in 2005, there's so much to uncover. Unpacking Israeli History cuts through the noise and helps you understand Israel's present through understanding Israel's history. Catch up on previous seasons and enjoy new episodes from Season 6 each week. So, educate yourself. Learn the history behind the headlines. Find Unpacking Israeli History wherever you listen to podcasts. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Bring spring color inside this season with Bear Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the Bear exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Hey, y'all. We're rerunning two episodes today, which means that you'll hear two hosts, me and Tracy V. Wilson. Enjoy the show. Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson, and it's October 15th. Mata Hari was executed on this day in 1917. She was not named Mata Hari from birth. She was born Margareta Gertruda Zella on August 7th, 1876. She was born into a very wealthy family, but when she was still pretty young, her father went bankrupt and then her mother died. She and her siblings were split up and they were sent to live with their other relatives. When she got a little older, she answered an ad for a man seeking a bride. The person who was advertising was Rudolph McLeod, and she married him on July 11th of 1895. Their marriage, though, was not happy and was sometimes abusive, and it lasted for nine years. During that time, they had two children together, one of whom died very young. There are rumors that a member of the household staff poisoned the children, but it's not clear whether that is true. After leaving her husband and her daughter behind and fleeing France, Margareta supported herself as a courtesan and an actress and a dancer. She concocted a really elaborate backstory for herself and her dances, saying that she was performing sacred dances from the Indies. These famously involved removing veils from her body one at a time until there was very little left on her body. 
The fact that she was presenting these as an exotic, faraway, sacred thing offered her a little bit of legal protection for what she was doing. It was when working as a dancer that she took the stage name Matahari, and that came from a Malay term meaning sunrise or eye of the day. During World War I, Georges Ledoux hired her as a spy for France. She really needed money at this point, and that's probably why she did it. She was getting older. She wasn't as easily able to make a living in that line of work that she'd been in. She was supposed to seduce German officers and get information from them. One of these was a German attaché who, apparently eager to get her out of his life, sent a message in a code that he already knew the French had already broken, identifying her as a spy. She had also accepted 20,000 francs from an honorary German consul. It had been offered to her as payment if she would spy for Germany, but when she took it, she was considering it repayment for belongings that had been seized earlier on in the war. Regardless, though, Ledoux cut her off and stopped paying her, possibly because he believed that she was a double agent. By January of 1917, she was running out of money and she was arrested that February and put on trial in a military court. This trial did not go well for her at all. Her attorney had almost no experience in military court, and then the jurors were all men who were in the military. Most of them had heard rumors about her, which they believed even though there was no substantiation for them. On July 25th of 1917, she was found guilty of espionage. This happened even though the trial had not revealed any secrets that she had given to the Germans. There was no concrete evidence that she had done any any of the things that she was accused of. She was executed by firing squad outside of Paris on October 15, 1917, at the age of 41. When she went to her execution, she refused to be blindfolded, she refused to be tied to the stake, and she stared her executioners down the whole time. Afterward, her body was donated to the University of Paris Medical School. Questions about her guilt persisted in the decades after her execution. There were a lot of questions about whether that trial and her execution were about using her as a scapegoat, not about anything she had actually done. And interpretations of her as a person have really varied over the years, with some biographers suggesting that she was completely conniving and definitely guilty of being a double agent, and other biographers suggesting that she was really mostly interested in men and money and was just doing things as they came along to try to get more money. The German government exculpated her in 1930, and documents that were declassified in 2017, along with personal papers that were made available around the same time, suggest that she was much more a scapegoat than an actual double agent. There is just no evidence that she disclosed any meaningful information to the Germans before the French executed her for espionage. You can learn more about this in the June 30th, 2010 episode of Stuff You Missed in History Class, which is before those 2017 documents were declassified. Thanks to Tori Harrison for all of her audio work on this podcast. And you can subscribe to this A Day in History Class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. You can tune in tomorrow for an iconic image of protest. Hi everyone, I'm Eves, and welcome to This Day in History Class, a podcast where we rip out a page from the history books every day. The day was October 15th, 1582. 
Pope Gregory XIII introduced the Gregorian calendar as a way to reform the Julian calendar. The previous day was October 4th on the Julian calendar. Until the end of the 21st century, the Julian calendar is 13 days behind the Gregorian calendar. The Gregorian calendar is used in most of the world today. There's a leap year every four years on the Julian calendar. An extra day is added to the month of February so that the year is 366 days long. That means the Julian solar year is about 365 and one-fourth days long. But the solar year is slightly shorter than that. It comes in at approximately 365.242 days. Broken down, that's about 365 days, 5 hours, 48 minutes, and 45 seconds. Because the Julian year was about 11 minutes longer than the mean solar year, the date of the equinox, according to the Julian calendar, was many days off from the observed date of the equinox in reality. That, in turn, caused dates on the religious calendar to be skewed, since the date of Easter was based on the Northern Hemisphere spring equinox. People were aware of this drift and that calendar reform was needed for centuries before the Gregorian calendar was introduced, but previous attempts to change the calendar fell through. Still, the need to update the calendar became more urgent. In its 1562 to 1563 session, the Council of Trent called for Pope Paul III to reform the calendar. The plan was to change the date of the vernal or spring equinox back to March 21st, which was the date of the equinox that was fixed by the church at the time of the Council of Nicaea in 325 CE. It took until 1582 for the change to happen, when Pope Gregory XIII signed a papal bull authorizing a reformed calendar. Gregory's reforms were based on the research and suggestions of Italian scientist Aloysius Lilius and German mathematician Christopher Clavius. October 4, 1582, on the Julian calendar, was followed by October 15th on the Gregorian calendar, with no change in the continuity of weekdays. The church chose October so it could avoid disrupting any major Christian celebrations. On the Gregorian calendar, no century year is a leap year unless it's divisible by 400. This helps ensure the calendar year is nearly the same length as the solar year. Much of Roman Catholic Europe adopted the new calendar within a year, but Protestant and Orthodox states were slow to follow. The Protestant German states switched in 1699. Britain and its territories made the change in 1752. And from there, more countries around the world adopted the Gregorian calendar until its use was widespread. Though many countries in Eastern Europe used the Julian calendar into the 20th century. Though the Gregorian calendar is the international standard, some countries use other calendars. And people have proposed reforms to the Gregorian calendar. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. Give us a shout or a share on social media at T-D-I-H-C podcast. If you prefer something a little bit more formal, then you can write us at thisday at iheartmedia.com. I truly hope you enjoyed today's show. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode.
For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.